gentlemen, welcome back to That's So Fringy podcast. My name is Rick. And I'm Kristen. And we are here today talking with a friend named Paul Stobbs. We heard Paul on uh, several different podcasts uh, talking about clowns of all things, you know, and it just made me curious, where do these clowns even come from? How did we get clowns? You know, how did these come on to the scene? And uh, we heard Paul talking about all of the cool and crazy things uh, that he's found in his research. So we wanted to bring him on the podcast and just introduce him to our audience. Uh, Paul, how's everything going with you? No, it's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's great to be here. Uh, it's been it's been a busy week. I've been podcasting left, right, and center as we were just talking about. So uh, yeah, it's good. yeah, it's good to be here again to uh, explain it all again. Yeah, everybody's hungry for this knowledge, right? Everybody wants to know uh, what you're finding because the the links that you're making are are tremendous, and the, and they make so much sense when you lay them out the way that you do. And so we're just going to let you do that. We're going to start from the beginning. Um, what kind of got you into this research and, and, and how did you find your way to where you are today? Sure. Well, it's, um, it's a long story. So if sure. you've got time, I'll tell the story. But got uh, plenty of time. Brilliant. Right. So I've, I've been in the game, conspiracy game, for well over a decade. Um, I started the channel in March of 2014. Mm. Prior to that, I had been building up to making the channel throughout university. I was studying my degree in fine art from 2011 to 2014. And um, the channel was actually a result of an art project, which was about analyzing conspiracy theories and mm. theorists, and just to get to the bottom of understanding just what it is these people believe. So I ended up creating the channel as like a, a piece of artwork to present to my teachers. Kind of, I was kind of cheating the system to get away with doing what I want to do on YouTube and also... You know, hey, if you're not cheating, um, you're not trying. That's what I mean. And, and the subject matter of conspiracy theories, I just, I just loved it. I was engrossed into it for those three mm. years I was at university. Um, and prior to that, you know, I was, I was a relatively atheistic guy. I grew up not really religious, so I didn't go to church or anything. Uh, my grandma sure. was Roman Catholic. But I only went to church there a couple of times as a kid. Nothing mm. major. Um, in fact, my earliest memory of being in a church with my uh, grandma is um, I must have been about six or eight or something like that. And the old lady in front of me, this frail old woman, fainted and hit her head on the pew as she went down and, and died. So it was a oh no, the horrific experience for a young child in a church setting. So I was actually pretty staunch anti anti God atheist my you know teenage years going up my my edgy years you know my angsty Mm -hmm. years um but as i as i got into being a teenager at the age of 16 um i was very much experimental with a lot of things started smoking cannabis and i'd already been smoking cigarettes for a few years prior to that um and me and my friends got this idea though well maybe we should try doing salvia um because we see all mm-hmm. these videos online. And this is like, mm-hmm. what, 2009? I don't, I'm 31 now. I forget how long ago it was, but I was 16 sure. anyway. And um, we end up doing Salvia because we're blown away by all these videos of people doing it online with a howling with laughter. And we want to know what, what's going on. And mm-hmm. I have this crazy, intense psychedelic experience when I do it. I, I'm in fear because I'm basically going to another dimension. And mm-hmm. I didn't know this at the time, but it's, it's, it's more powerful, if not equal to D- DMT. And I didn't know mm-hmm. that. You know, that's what I was getting myself into. I didn't yeah. uh, DMT by that point. 
Um, it's only in hindsight, as I got older and did this research in my 20s up to the 30s about dimethyltryptamine that I realized what I was doing at that age, you know. Mm. But by that point, I, you start to lose your atheistic standpoint after having an experience like that. So I started sure. to question reality and think, well, there's something going on here that I clearly don't understand. Where the hell did I go? <laughs> what, what's, what's going on? You know, that reality is not as solid as I thought it was. It was one of those right. kind of moments. But I didn't know what to make of it. Again, I wasn't a religious person, but uh, I did start going down that consciousness exploration through psychedelic route from then on. And then, you know, as, as time went on, you know, I, I was smoking weed every day. Mm. Um, but I got to this point where I was kind of trying to get my hands on anything I could that would... Mm. Mm. Not, not like hard drugs, like not, not like heroin and things. Things that would be considered psychedelic in nature. Things. Did you that feel like you were chasing that experience, trying to have it again, or or were you trying to mask something else, or, or was I, I, it just fun? It was. It was more just. I was. I wanted to understand what happened. It's not like mm -hmm. I was chasing to relive that particular experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was pleasant, to be honest. <laughs> like it's not yeah. like a. But it was one of those. I need to understand just exactly what happened. Like. It, what is this spiritual thing going on that I, I knew nothing about, you know? I, um, and I, I end up going down the new age Gnostic route of thinking about this, the, I am a God type angle, you know, mm -hmm. the ego death angle, the, um, mm -hmm. learning about hermeticism and alchemical principles and all this type of thing. And very much going down that route of sacred geometry and, and mastering consciousness and uh, just all the, all the Jungian type archetypal stuff, the psychological perspective, you know, I was heavily seeped in that. I was always a lover of psychology and, and sure. just how the mind works. So it all kind of fit into that. I, was not, I wasn't a hippie. I was very much in more of a, a logistical, scientific worldview of trying to understand these experiences. Hmm. Uh, when I went to university, I was, I was already in that full swing attitude. And then suddenly everyone's talking about the end of the world in 2012 and the Mayan calendar ending. And I'm like, what's this <laughs> yeah. why are people saying these things what's going on you know and i basically went on to then discover the conspiracy culture online mm. um in about 2011 2010 um because of this build up to the 2012 end of the world stuff i kind of started making work about it and um, talking to people online about it and i ended up going down every other rabbit hole and tangent you inevitably end up discovering when you start dipping your toes into conspiracy theories, you don't mm -hmm. just stop right. one, you end up rolling onto the next thing and the next thing yep, and the next yep. thing. You and <laughs> I went through the process like everybody does. Mm -hmm. sure. I, you know, I lost, alienated a lot of friends and family along the way, the usual thing. You know, I, I yeah. um, tried to shake people awake and got a bit overzealous about it. And naturally, I, you know, pushed people away in that, in that mm -hmm. respect. Yeah. And I kind of came to a conclusion um when i started the channel that okay so all this stuff is true it's not just some psychological phenomena it's actually it's real you know there really yeah. is a conspiracy but people don't really know how to handle the information very well no one believes anybody who talks about it because they look crazy when they start talking about it so I, I wanted to create a channel which could present the information in a calm collect cool head level-headed way mm. in the hopes to teach others how to also share the information without coming across as a lunatic and losing right. it you know? uh, so a lot of my work was about that initially it's like meta commentary of what it means to be a truther type of thing mm. but um i was also going through the end of my degree at this point um and I, I was kind of lost i didn't really know where i was going i was heavily burnt out from all the drugs i had been doing i've been doing every <laughs> single psychedelic under the under the sun typical art student you know i was just a yeah. walking talking stereotype in that respect and uh <laughs> 
I, I had no direction by the end of my degree. I had this channel and I didn't know mm-hmm. where I was going to go or what I was going to do in my life. I, I had nothing. I didn't know. I, hadn't, I didn't have a clue. And, and all my, my receptors were burnt out and I was just in a very low, depressed state. Mm-hmm. So as you do when you research conspiracy, you inevitably always keep bumping into the Jesus question and the, the Christian right. and the Christian answers to all these questions mm-hmm. you end up gathering. And I kind of always kept avoiding it. I didn't want to know about that. I was happy going down the Gnostic route and thinking, you know, this ha- knowledge has all the answers. I can learn mm-hmm. enough stuff and I can save myself and make myself more like an enlightened being or a god or whatever the hell I thought at the time. It's hard, mm-hmm. to, it's hard to even think about the gibberish I was going on about. But uh, yeah. I, I did eventually, because I'd heard plenty of preachers and people telling me the perspective, but I just didn't want to take it on board. I just thought it was just another angle you could view it all from. But I asked God to help me in that low moment, mm-hmm. and he did. And my life changed from that day forth, and I believe I was born again in that time. And um, the, the decade since then, my life has turned around, and I'm a completely different person. I'm sober. I don't touch those things. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't smoke cannabis. I don't smoke. I don't drink or anything. Um, my desires changed that day. And that's when my research really took, went into high gear. That's when I mm-hmm. finally accepted the biblical perspective. That's when answers were truly starting to come my way, and I started to actually go down looking into biblical history, now, because I wasn't raised in a church, I don't sound like a Christian. I don't speak Christianese, as I call it. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. carry myself in a way like a typical, and I don't really have much dogma or dogmatic, overzealous attitudes or beliefs about right. specific concepts in the Bible. I just read mm-hmm. the Bible and I take it as it is. And I'm also open to reading these extra biblical texts and what yeah. people say aren't canon. Well, they have a lot of answers in these books. I'm I'm not willing to just ignore. So things like Enoch, for example, Jubilees, yep. Jasher, all these books. And sure. I was making a holistic picture of, of of biblical history while researching these things. Um, people like Gary Wayne, for example, or even Rob Skeever when he was still knocking about. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave me these understandings about the thing, the Nephilim and demons. Now, mm-hmm. demons were a big topic for me because I'd had so many spiritual experiences, not only through psychedelics, but when I was coming off the drugs. Mm. I got heavily spiritually attacked, mm. demonically attacked, I would say. And that's when I was really being given these clues that we are in the middle of a serious spiritual war against wicked forces in this spirit realm. Like, this isn't even a joke, you know? Yeah. It's, I felt like I was almost died. I almost died twice because of this. And like, like mm. my, my very essence was leaving my body many times, you know? And sure. calling on Jesus saved me. So it's kind of, okay, so there's a. There's weapons and there's a war here. Yeah, a certain amount of power in this name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So all of this was clearly, you know, being self-evident to me through my experiences. But I, I've always been in this state of mind where I'm not going to be able to convince anybody else of my own experiences. But I know it's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know it's real. Yeah, this is actually happening. So you know, I, a lot of this research I did into biblical history, trying to explain, okay, so what are these creatures then? What are they? Why are they there? I don't. I never bought the Jungian psychedelic answer that these beings people see on dimethyltryptine are just collective consciousness symbols of the archetypes of humanity or something trying to teach yeah. us something symbolic about our own inner workings or whatever nonsense they want to describe it mm-hmm. they seem like tangible entities to me with personalities and agendas and mm-hmm. the bible explains them clearly especially in the book of enoch um, these are the disembodied spirits of the nephilim that were once on the earth ruling as giant tyrannical cannibalistic monsters basically the yes. children and offspring of fallen angels mixing with human women. And as soon as I understood that concept, 
things did start to just click into place. And the whole mm. Bible made sense all of a sudden as to why God ordained the killing of many people in the lands of Canaan, for example, the men, women, and children, and even the animals. All these other th stumbling blocks I found for a lot of Christians, even myself as an atheist, these are huge stumbling blocks which would stop yeah. me from wanting to go down that route. But these open up the door for people like me who are atheists to go, it makes sense now. I get yeah. it now. You know, this God isn't a maniac. <laughs> he actually, mm -hmm. of course, why wouldn't he stop this? It's a mercy. He helped us. You know, it was, sure. and it, clearly this, Gary Wayne would even say this, there is a conspiracy to suppress this knowledge, even in mm -hmm. the churches, because it gives too much away, you know, and, and yeah. I think this information just clicked into place for me. And then because I'm an artist, I've always yeah. had this idea of, I, I like to get visual about things. And I always had this question in my mind, well, what would a human mammal woman being mixing with a fiery flying seraphim angel serpent monster look like? What would mm -hmm. that look like? Because all I ever saw was these images of really hench looking men to represent the Nephilim everywhere. Just like yeah. normal looking, yeah. really tanned, long brown hair, big brown beard men just with huge yep. pecs and massive abs wearing a loincloth. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like a tiny man next to that image of that, like that's what the Nephilim looked like. It's like, I don't think they would have looked like that. I, I think actually, no. if you consider what the, the angels are described as looking like, in Ezekiel especially with the living creatures and the, the mm -hmm. throne angels, you always see these depictions of biblically accurate angels on the internet with many eyes everywhere on these wings. You know, the seraphim angels are named after the fiery burn of a serpent's bites, the fiery flying serpents, the seraphim. Yes. These are psychedelic, monstrous, animalistic hybrid creatures that the angels have these forms of. Now, I believe angels can take human form, but sure. they're, not, they're not like us. Okay, they're something else. So if that was yeah. mixed with a human being, the, the outcome wouldn't look human. It might mm -hmm. have like a similar human silhouette, perhaps two arms two legs as far as it goes is human, human <laughs> as it goes. but the, the yeah. features would have been something else so I, I always knew that i always knew there was an issue with the model we had something wrong yes. with it yep. it's too basic um it's kind of so like white time, jesus yeah that's what's funny as, as, as time went on anyway <laughs> the <laughs> things started to happen to me i started to have these weird visions around 2014-15 i saw the jesters everybody on dmt sees but at this point, mm -hmm. I hadn't done DMT in like four years. So I thought, I thought I had like a weird flashback where your mind takes you back to that realm without any cause. Mm -hmm. or Apparently, it's a real mm -hmm. phenomenon. Uh, but when I went, I was confronted with this giant entity, which was a black and white fractal patterned jester looking thing with a huge, big, wide purple lit grin and massive glowing eyes. And it had its weird jester shaped hat on. But I realized that's not a hat. Its skull is shaped like that. It's mm. actually it's its physical features, mm. you know. And it wasn't wearing like a jester jumpsuit or a leotard or anything. Its skin was that pattern, like it was. Yes. And I think that was, in hindsight, now years after the fact, a vision of some kind. I think I was shown. All right, you want to know, like Paul? Fine. You asked me to help you, so God just yep. took said, "Here they are." That took me back. <laughs> that was, sure. That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So this is what the Nephilim looked like. And then he brought me back, basically. So I knew then, okay, so the Nephilim looked like giant jester entities. The jesters that people see on the other side of DMT that they always talk about, mm -hmm. these are the Nephilim creatures. So I already had that idea. And 
it's a bit overwhelming in the moment, so I kind of buried sure. it for a little bit. I didn't talk about it. I didn't think <laughs> I, it was there, rattling around in my head. But it's kind of I didn't know what to make of it at the time. I didn't know I was going to go on to make a series talking about Nephilim and clowns, for example. Then you know, it was just something that randomly right. happened. To me. And um, I kind of had these other attacks, dreams, visions. At one moment, the entire room started to collapse in around me, and darkness mm. seeped in my vision. And I, before my vision disappeared. I went numb, I collapsed, I was paralyzed, and I had to just say in my last Jesus, help me. Then suddenly I'm back in the room, everything's back to normal again. So I do mm. think there was this period of time where demons were coming after me because I quit all the things that they used to enjoy me doing. I think mm-hmm. I, I used to be a, a useful tool for them once, but now I wasn't. Yeah. They were trying you to stopped interacting with them, so they were like, hey, I lost a friend, come back. I think it's the idea that <laughs> let's just kill him now, we have no use for him before he's too yeah. late. But, um, I was wise enough then to realize I could use the name of Jesus to save myself from that situation. And it, it worked, you know, yeah. um, so the <laughs> fools jokes on them it only solidified my faith. Their attack, so it's kind of, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, again, all these experiences, I had another dream as well in about 2015 where this Hatman entity came after me in a dream and he, he looked like a Morris dancer. He had this wide brimmed purple hat with a purple trench coat and a cane. He had glowing orange eyes, like yellowish eyes, and his face was like a shadow entity type hidden thing. But he had these multicolored ribbons just flying off of his back and this glowing aura about him as he was coming after me in a dream. And it was terrifying. I, uh, this, it looked like he was coming to kill me, you know, and I ran in the dream. He caught up to me and uh, I had to wrench myself awake, screaming and kicking because I, I thought well, I'm about to die. This is it. This is where I die. You know, but right. I, got out, I got out of that situation. But even mm. that imagery of a, of a Hatman entity who's covered in psychedelic ribbons. What what is that? You know, that is so strange. Mm-hmm. Only years after the fact, for my research, that I realized that's the basic costume of most shamans in every tradition or on every continent: multicolored ribbons and and a wide oh, rim yeah. hat. But I didn't know yeah. that then. Do you get what I mean? So it's like yeah. I was. Yeah. Uh, being shown these hints of things to come in the future for my own research and yeah being a conspiracy theorist by this point my channel was in full swing i'd already been exposing the occult symbols symbolism things like that you know getting mm-hmm. into you know, secret societies and their their use of symbolism and their control in the world so i, I was well aware that you know the media is heavily controlled mm-hmm. and it was around 2016 suddenly there's clowns everywhere all over the tv Creepy clown sightings. Everyone's terrified of these clowns looking menacing on street corners for some reason. And, you know, I was more surprised that the media was making such a big deal out of it. Why are they pointing the cameras at these clowns? And why is it happening all over the Anglosphere in the UK and Europe and and America and Canada? It's everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. They're showing clowns everywhere and the the cameras being pointed on them. And I know I know the media does nothing by accident. If they're showing sure. you something, right. If they're showing you something, they want yep. you to see. There's a meaning. There's a symbol. It might not mean anything to us, but to those yeah. who are initiated into these secret societies, mm-hmm. these industries, that, that means something to them. It's a message for them. So that got me thinking about the clown, DMT, jesters, demons, the Nephilim. It all started to click in my mind, and I, I just went off on one from there, basically. And I did a preliminary search and found that no one's really talked about clowns and nephilim before but somebody mm. had made a mock video pretending to be a conspiracy theorist making a joke at our expense 
and basically described the Nephilim as having white skin and red hair and a big wide mouth and you know these are killer interdimensional killer clowns from outer space that's kind of his joke mm-hmm. concept of them and as soon as he said the joke i heard reality i went wait a minute you're actually you're onto something there and you don't even know it so i kind of just kept yeah. rolling with the idea and i got a good 14 episodes into a series but in 2000 at the end of 2017 i started it in 2016 just after the clown sightings but I got about 14 episodes into the series and I had to stop making videos because my workplace at the time, I was a manager at Aldi. They found my channel and then mm. put me into a room in the back and said, you cannot be a manager and have this YouTube channel. Um, oh no. Wow. And you know, in, in a moment of weakness, it wasn't my proudest moment, but I, I, w- I was too scared to lose the position I'd just gained as a manager and the money mm-hmm. I, I debts to pay from university. So I sure. gave in. I shut the channel down for five years. I was silent on the matter for five years, you know, mm. um, and no one ever really spoke about it. But then in 2021, was it 2021, um, a channel called Conspiracy R Us picked up the subject and made his own work and said, this guy years ago made this work and this is what he said. And it just kicked off. Everyone started going crazy about the clowns again. And yeah. uh, he kind of inspired me to, all right, I'll release the videos again and make them not hidden anymore because I think the heat's died off a little bit. You know what I mean? It's been mm-hmm. a few, yeah. you know, been a few yeah. years. I think I can get away with really, you know, the managers have come and gone now. New area managers have left. Right. So it's, it's a different environment now. Maybe I can just make these videos available so people can watch the original series again and I'll just keep doing my thing. But then as the years went on, um, the workplace became an extremely hostile, horrible place for me. Um, mm. um, internal politics, narcissistic managers, attacks being pushed down, just being treated like like filth, especially during the whole lockdown situation. That was just a time, you know. Um, I lost my granddad during that time, but then I also just, mm. it was just a bad, horrible time, and work just got sure. worse and worse and worse, and it culminated in me being attacked at work by a customer who I didn't serve alcohol to. I got grabbed around the throat and all this sort of horror Whoa. stuff. Oh. And it's, I realized that this came a year after being accused of theft by another manager at a different store because she didn't like me because she wanted somebody else to be promoted over me. And I proved it all wrong through evidence. that That's just nonsense. <laughs> that didn't happen. You know, nothing became of it. She didn't get punished or anything like that. And mm. I was just sick of it by the time this person grabbed me around the throat. I just said to myself, what am I doing? I am yeah. not a manager of a supermarket. I am a conspiracy theorist. So I just quit. Yeah. And, um, I started the channel up again. So at the start of 2003, at the start of 2003, I just picked up the series where I left it off at 17 episodes and it's just blown up. People love it. People. And I've, I've just, this is my baby. This is what I do now. I'm basically 42 episodes in halfway through writing the book on the subject. The connections just keep coming. It's just a topic I've been given. That's what it feels like. It's like, all right, Paul, you know, you want to you want to help me in my kingdom then show people this <laughs> you know, that's basically what it feels like has happened um so my work you know is basically a showcase to summarize it very quickly it's an anthropological study of folk traditions all over the earth that depicts their ancestor spirits who are the nephilim and mm. they all use the same aesthetical traits in similar ways to depict their ancestor spirits, which have features we would consider something akin to a clown in the Western world. 
the image mm. we have created in the Western Hemisphere of a clown is based on off of these folk traditional representations of Nephilim spirits. It's just hidden and occulted in the West and used as a tool to channel the ancestor spirits or the Nephilim or the demons publicly without the public being aware of it. So even though it's wow. obvious in all these other traditions of what they're doing, they don't hide it. We dress like this to channel spirits. We do it mm. in the West right. in a hidden occulted manner. So the public don't know that that's the purpose of the costume. But those who are in the know, the initiated, the Freemasons who adopted it into their circus performances that they own and use it in mm -hmm. media, and the musicians who also dress in a similar way to channel the same spirits for their own purposes, they know what it is. A caricature of the Nephilim used for the same purposes these cultures use around the earth to channel the spirits. That's basically it. Hmm. That's wild. And, you know, you always think, where do these clowns come from? Why are they all throughout time? Why do we invite them to our kids' birthday parties? Like, <laughs> why do they have the thing around their neck? Why do they have usually the hair the way that they do or the mouth with? Like, <clears throat> nobody really asks these questions. And I think that's the problem with our society as a whole is we've gotten to the place now where we're not allowed to ask questions about things that, that uh, are weird or strange, or maybe don't add up. We, we get pushed away. Like, no, you don't have to look into that because this is what we're going to find. And this is why we conspiracy theorists are hammering this stuff so hard. It's not because we're crazy. It's because we've realized that they're crazy and that they're trying to do all kinds of crazy stuff behind your back all the time. So what is it with all of the, you know, the white skin and the facial features and everything like that? What is it that causes them to do those things like what is there symbology in it is there some sort of a is that what they actually present when you see them i know you made some mention to that before um first of all you cut out a couple of times there and your screen froze i just give you a heads up you look quite blurry on my screen but it says my connection's okay on my end so i'm not worried Maybe you guys might want to look into that. I'm just going to let you know, first of all. Um, but yeah, I, I got the gist of it there. So you want to know why the white skin, why the red hair, what do these yeah. features actually represent? So if you look at all the cultures around the world, I've, I've explained who channel ancestor spirits. They all have the same aesthetical features that they use. And the base is they white the skin up as chalk, paper white as they possibly can. Something like this, you know, as white as you possibly can get it. Um, they often add polka dots, a red nose, a wide red mouth or red lipstick of some kind. They make the brow ridge as prominent as black as possible. And they put on some kind of red fiery headdress of feathers or red, red reeds of some kind or a golden ordained jeweled one of some kind as well. Hmm. They often wear clothing which is either multicolored ribbons of some kind or they paint the skin in psychedelic colored patterns of some way and they do that to the face as well. And okay. what they're trying to do is represent something very specific from their cultural shared history, which they consider their ancestors, the builders of their civilizations, the Nephilim. So as I explained at the start, the Nephilim are the, are the product of fallen angels mixing with human women. Now, mm. now, what you would get is a serpentine hybrid human mammal thing of some kind, and that would look extremely psychedelic and trippy in nature. So as yeah. I explained, what, what these people are creating is a hybrid reptile avian feathered serpent human style mix of creature 
It's kind of like an mm. echo through the oral tradition. They remember this thing. It was around at some point. They venerated it and or feared it. It's one of the two. So they dress mm-hmm. like it, scare the spirit away or to attract it to them. It depends on whether the culture still is scared of it or loves it. It varies, it varies. But the aesthetical similarities are there. So let's break down a clown, shall we? A Western version of a clown. Anywhere you go, Nephilim are always described as having incredibly pale white skin for some reason and the red hair. Mm. It just seems to be the most basic description of any Nephilim. There's always going to be yep. variations. So don't get me wrong. Not every lizard looks the same. Not every species of lizard or snake looks identical. Mm-hmm. There are massive variations in all animal kingdoms. But as a generic caricatured base, white skin and red hair is the Nephilim description you'll find. Even in most modern encounters that people have had in, let's say, the Americas, the tribes of America, they always discuss these these monstrous cannibalistic giant tribes terrorizing them. And they always describe them as having really pale white skin and red hair. There's even some tribes that still have the red pelts that they scalped from the giants they killed, and they kept the hair because it's mm. so unique, bright, and fiery and red. And they're often passed down through families mm. of these tribes who did hunt down a lot of these giants, you know. And the giant of Kandahar sure. is a really famous modern one people always talk about, where they explain, you know, this, this in Afghanistan, this red-haired, white-skinned giant came out of a cave with a spear and... This, this team had to shoot it in the face for like 10 minutes straight just to get the thing down. So there's, there's plenty of like mythos and stories yeah. in the modern sense. But gem- generally speaking, most cultures represent, even in their sculptures and their artworks, these reptilian hybrid monsters as being very pale creatures. So that's a clown, first of mm. all. That's the yep. base yep. of a clown. White skin, red hair. And that's from there, you're just building up more and more symbols to relate mm-hmm. to reptilian features. So basic understanding is white skin, red hair, anywhere you go on the earth, a very common descriptor, but there's always variation is the point I was trying to make. Not all of them had sure. blue skin. Some of them had green skin. Some of them had reptiles come in many colors, shapes. Nature has a beautiful color palette. It's very psychedelic mm-hmm. in nature. And that's what mm-hmm. we'll see in these folk traditions. They, go, they lean psychedelic in their costumes, as colorful and as bright as possible because they're trying to channel these reptilian hybrid creatures. In terms of a Western clown, that is the base of a clown, white skin, red hair. And then what we find is we put red lipstick on or paint an enormous exaggerated wide grin or mouth onto the common clown. Uh, That is a reptilian feature. Reptiles have big wide mouths. They can dislocate their jaws to to eat their prey and digest their prey. That would have been a feature probably Mm. passed down to the Nephilim as well. It says they have double rows of teeth. A lot of people describe that as, you know, one set behind the other. But I think it meant mm. two sets next to each other to make that wide grin happen. I think that's probably more what they were realistically talking okay. about. They could have also had sure. the two rows on top of that as well. For all we know, these things were hybrid weird creatures. That right. make sense. They had six fingers, so it seems like there's always this iteration of more things than they should have, like an over-exaggerated yeah. human features. Uh, so who knows on that? But the big wide grin that a clown has is a serpent feature. Just translated mm. into a caricatured, funny, big, wide smile. The big red, the red around the mouth, it could be reference to blood drinking. These were drinkers of blood. They're always described as drinking human blood all the time, especially in all the extra biblical texts. It gets really mm-hmm. graphic. In fact, how, just how bad it was. But they were cannibalistic yes. in nature. Not only did they eat each other, but they ate us. We were their food. We were their prey. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were hunted by them. So 
collectively that's probably left a horrible mark on our psyche which is maybe explaining <laughs> agoraphobia and why we have this fear of clowns today yeah it, oh, you know yeah. when you think that maybe they were once predators that hunted us just like snakes were predators that hunted mm. us and you know that's why people have a fear of snakes i think it's all it's all rooted in the same thing um sure people say it's the uncanny valley thing going on which could have something to do with it don't get me wrong but I, i'm theorizing it may it may run deeper in our dna than we actually first yeah um, yeah so yeah big white, big, big wide grin clowns reptilian feature white skin big red hair clown reptilian feature nephilim uh, feature again often you find clowns have a, an elongated forehead but they wear a skull mm-hmm. cap that makes them like the head is taller than it is and they often paint big black brow ridges, don't they, just to emphasize the tallness mm-hmm. of the form. That's because a lot yes. of these skulls that are found all around the Earth show elongated skulls, which are the skulls of the later iterations of the Nephilim. So the, yes. the 12 mm-hmm. ones, the 10-foot-tall ones, they seem to have this weird long head thing going on. I don't know if the ancient ones did, the pre-flood ones, but mm-hmm. definitely the ones that were uncovered in a lot of these serpent mounds found in ill. Mm-hmm. Americas, they seem to have these elongated heads. So it's just a Nephilim trait, and that's what the elongated head of a clown is comedically trying to mimic and copy. And right. the hybrid yeah. is just an interesting one because often they paint it in blue. And if the, mm-hmm. the thing painted like a clown would close their eyes, it gives the illusion they have giant blue glowing eyes. Um, so that's an interesting mm. point. We're also said to have big glowing eyes, very bulgy, large bug-like eyes, a lot like a mm-hmm. snake. Snakes have big round yeah. eyes as well. Um, hmm. The pupil was likely a slit, sometimes round it's depicted, but some of them may have had slit pupils, and clowns often like to draw big lines going straight down the eyes. Um, so I think that's another reptilian feature, over-exaggerated hmm. into the makeup of a modern-day clown. It's just a caricature. It's a, it's, yes. a, it's a symbol. You know, They're just translating it into something over the top and silly but it's it's mm-hmm. roots are in mimicking images of the nephilim uh, so that's pretty much the face covered the red nose is a big one actually uh, this is something i only recently in the past year kind of got a solid theory about because there are depictions of certain demons around the earth in japan for example tengu is a demon who has a big red nose it just sticks out like pinocchio and he mm-hmm. has red skin and a big bulging red nose but so there are there is precedent to say some creatures demons may have had very long protruding noses but mm. why the question is why yes. red, why do we wear mm-hmm. a red nose for a clown now right. the story goes that one day a clown fell off fell down the stage and broke his nose and it was funny and everyone laughed so they stuck with that from then on it's not really enough for me because of my theory yeah. <laughs> i initially thought right. maybe it's because they're drink they're drinking blood and eating people they would have got blood on the nose um mm-hmm. But even that never, that was always too basic in my mind. I felt like that's not enough to justify the big foam round nose that they put on people. Sure. It's not simply just culling your nose in red. It's making it look round. Mm-hmm. So why? why? Why are they doing this? You know, and I, did, I did find the odd depiction here and there. Um, there's paintings of the Wangina in the Kimberley region of Australia, for example, who look just like clowns, literally through and mm. through, like an exact mm-hmm. carbon of what we call a clown with a big red afro. Some of them have a red nose which is quite interesting. Mm. In South America, in the North Americas, some of them, these tribes, these giant tribes, were described as the noseless ones. So that mm. could imply they had a big gaping hole instead of a nose, which oh, is interesting. Like, like a big red circle. So that's another working mm-hmm. But what I found, which I think actually has a lot of scientific basis for it, is the nature of these creatures having incredibly pale skin like this. 
paper white. Mm. You know, so not like yeah. me, like some white boy from the north of England, you know, who lives in the grey land. <laughs> it rains all the time. I'm talking like porcelain, vampiric, leprous, not human white. This is something else white. This is this is clown makeup white. You know, this is yes. something. Get away from race. This is not about white people or, or nephilim. Right. Or, this is something else, okay? And even then, mm-hmm. if you want to go off the book of Lamech of Cain, it says the curse of the white leprous skin was actually mm-hmm. the mark of Cain. That's what people have said. Mm-hmm. You know, in this and that, that would fit in with my theory, but there's a lot to be said about that text being heretical in many yeah. ways, you know? Sure. But if it's a passing thing in the book to describe the mark of Cain as being just white skin. It's not the focus of the book. The focus right. of the book is actually more about um, trying to find out who did Cain mate with. You know, that's what the focus of the book is really about. But it says in there that this white skin thing disappears after six generations. That's enough mm-hmm. generations to the generation of Jared for the angels to mix with human women and create Nephilim. But after mm-hmm. that, Mark disappears. So the white leprous skin of the humans disappears. So this means the mm-hmm. OG Nephilim who did first appear in, in the world during the mm-hmm. times of Jared would have been around just in time to mix with women who still have this porcelain white skin mark. So that mm. might explain where they get the white skin from and why these Nephilim are often yes. picked pale white skin. It could be just one theory. Sure. But yeah. a side sure. effect of being white like myself, it's predominantly a Northern European problem, is something called the curse of the Celts. It's a sickness. It's mm. a real genetic illness that is specifically, just like um, so, you know, a lot of black people get sickle cell anemia. It's mm-hmm. strictly a racial issue. Same for white people. This curse of the Celts is an issue with dealing with iron in the blood. And it's also mm-hmm. extreme rosacea can be a side effect of this, where they get red blotches appearing on porcelain white skin. Yes. That could be a polka dot reference, first of all. Because mm-hmm. the paler you are, mm-hmm, more totally. if you're susceptible to getting this, if you're pale, then these are the palest creatures, the Nephilim. So it's likely they would have <laughs> had this issue, this genetic issue of extreme rosacea where the blood pools onto the front of the skin and creates blotches. So that could be why mm-hmm. a lot of clowns have polka dot patterns and skins in their clothing, but also in extreme cases of the curse of the Celts, when this gets out of hand and really goes, and especially in the older people, the older they get with this genetic mm-hmm. issue, the nose starts to grow in a big mm. bulbous red ball. It's called a rhinophyma. And the mm. old stereotypical adages drunks end up getting this people who drink too much sure. mm. knows yeah. nothing to do with that it's a genetic condition it's, it's mm. you can drink as much as you want it will not be the cause of it it doesn't matter it's a genetic thing mm. um and mm-hmm. the only way to get rid of it you have to literally shave it off with a hot wire and re-sculpt the nose back mm. into something that's shaped like a human but if you let it just grow you end up with a big red nose like a ball that's what you end yeah. up having and if these, yeah. if that's a, a specifically white skin issue, and they had the whitest skin, it's likely the older the Nephilim got, the bigger and the redder the noses began to form. So it's mm-hmm. very likely they okay. did big red noses. So there's a working theory I have to explain the red nose of a yeah. clown and Nephilim. So it's usually a, re- a Nephilim hmm. feature. So there's another it's one. It's all very off. fascinating. It is. Let's there's, move from the. There's face. so many people that don't even. Go ahead. Go ahead. So no, you. I know what you're saying, but yeah, let's, let's, the neck, for example, a big ruffle around yep. the neck. We're told it represents aristocracy of Elizabethan age, the big mm-hmm. thing around the neck. It's to mock the rich people. 
but it's also mm-hmm. the exact same feature reptiles have in Australia called a frill. It's a reptilian feature mm-hmm. again, manifested onto this caricatured image of a clown. Mm-hmm. And the most famous yeah. version of this is probably in Jurassic Park, with that where it, it hackles mm-hmm. up. Ireland spits black goo into the guy's face, you know, before killing him. Sure. Um, but that's a real creature in Australia. So they're a lot smaller than Jurassic Park ones, but uh, they, they real feature a lot of um, lizards in Australia seem to have for some reason. And I think it's another translated thing from the Nephilim. It's likely if they were reptile hybrids, they too may have had these weird frills just resting around the neck. If you look at the Wangina again in Australia, they have a white frill, which is a continuation of their neck that goes to the shoulders, just like a clown does wow. today. So I think it's just a copy. They've seen the, yeah. the Freemasons who sculpted the caricature of a clown would have seen these cultures and gone, I like that feature. Let's put it on our mm. clown. Let's put it on our yes. ancestral garb. Let's make that feature one of our features. So the clown now has this white frill around the neck, which is, I think, mm straight from australia personally that specific one but it's a reptilian feature multicolored clothing of a clown psychedelic polka dots patterns as colorful as you can get and patterned as you can get that's that's a snake skin that's a reptilian Mm. skin that's just the Mm. way amphibians look how fish look how birds look it's a natural animalistic image it's a psychedelic reptilian pattern um Mm. i mean even if you particular corn snakes in the uk i've seen in pet shops if you look at their underbelly they have a black and white square checkered pattern going all the way down as well so i know the black and white checkered pattern can literally be a reptile feature and a lot of clowns sure. do mm-hmm. go heavily on black and white checks not only that it's also a freemason reference as well so it's yeah <laughs> absolutely not surprising why that's often synonymous with clown costumes um yeah. clowns now it gets a bit more metaphorical a bit more symbolic big shoes big feet of a giant big hands and gloves mm. The, the largeness of a giant stilts to accentuate the height like a giant. Um, there's a tiny umbrella or a little hat is to make the creature who has them look bigger. Like he has these tiny oh, gosh, yeah. is to accentuate his size. A little dog, for example, and with this giant clown, you know, multiple clowns come out of a tiny car giants compared to the car. But the car is also symbolic mm. of the human body, especially in dream symbolism. If you dream, your car breaks down. Usually in real life, you may have broken your leg or something, and you feel like you can't move through the world like you once used to. Your car breaking down is symbolically saying you can no longer travel through the world like you once were able to, you know. So that's what, in a, in a dream symbol sense, a car always represents the human body. So to then translate that into a performance in a circus, mm. multiple clowns coming out of a tiny car is reminiscent oh, of multiple demons coming out of a human body. It's uh, they are legion. Many yeah. possess an individual. You know, multiple were cast out of uh, by Jesus and put into the pigs, for example. You know, in that famous story. So, I think it's just another tongue-in-cheek reference and joke to demons, Nephilim, cars. So, that's basically it. That's why a clown is symbolically a reference to the Nephilim. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that don't even believe the Nephilim exist or or all of this. And and when you find this stuff out, it's shocking to the point of where it's like not only do they exist, but you have a whole group of people that are that are pushing their agenda, that are that are dressing like them, that are trying to uh empower them in this world and bring them back as much as they can, you know, because they want to control this world. And that type of uh 
mentality is is one that we need to get away from. Like we need to understand that no longer can we say this stuff doesn't exist because I think it's very compelling the research that you've put together, the way that you've laid it out uh, on your YouTube and 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 throughout the different podcasts that I've heard. I mean, it's very clear that there are Nephilim and that these clowns are very well connected to that whole thing. And, and, and for somebody to say now, after everything that they've heard, that Nephilim don't exist, it's just like, then why? Then why are they doing all of these things that they're doing? Because it seems to be symbology, as we know, they do everything through symbology. It seems to be symbology of something pretty major, if you ask me. No, I, I agree. It's quite subtle because we're not supposed to know this is what their symbols used for in the West. It's 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 hidden. It's not, it's not right. Cult. You know, I've only just uncovered it. So yes. it seems silly when I first say these these things because it's ingrained in mm -hmm. our culture that clowns are just something silly for the children. But again, right. because mm -hmm. this, why would the Shriners, for example, and a higher level above Freemasonry, who supposedly related to Arabic themed ideas and concepts um as a joke <laughs> supposedly in its original concept why would right. it have anything to do with clowns and why do all the shrines have their own clown sect and why mm -hmm. they have the shrine of hospitals where children go to you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's, it seems so bizarre yep. and obviously on the surface it's sold as like well you know the shriners are charitable and they love children and they just want to make the kids yeah. laugh a bit of fun but when you right. understand that you know children elicit the most extreme reactions Either mm -hmm. you're going to make them cry or you're going to make them laugh. There's not really much mm -hmm. in children, you know. I have a toddler, you know, and mm -hmm. he can be screaming one second with with pain and annoyance and suddenly laughing like a maniac the next second. Just like, <laughs> that, like that, you know. Oh, yeah. the, their emotions are not regulated like ours. So yeah. if you come up to a child who's dying in a hospital, never mind, or already in a state of fear because they're in a hospital, you come at them dressed like an ancient predator that <laughs> they recognize as something as such on, on a fundamental level, then you're either mm -hmm. going to get extreme fear from this child, which the demons love. They feed off this type of energy. And the person wearing the costume is channeling the demon, therefore will harness the energy right there in front of them because they're creating the energy, mm -hmm. you know. Or mm -hmm. in some very rare cases, extremely rare cases, the kid will laugh and think it's funny. Still mm -hmm. energy. It's still, yeah. there's a fine line between laughter and crying, you know. Um, yep. It's the same endorphins release. It's the same part of the yep. brain used for those things. And it's kind of like a louche farm for demons mm -hmm. that the secret society created and use the costume of a clown as a tool to feed the demons they venerate and channel through their secret societies and rituals. It's a tool. Mm. And yes. musicians, musicians use it as well in the mainstream media. You'll find the, the, the music secret. People say there's like the songwriter's secret to writing hit songs or something. Or it's The big secret is just dress as much like a psychedelic clown monster as you possibly can. And the industry mm -hmm. moguls who run the industry will choose you. And they'll elevate mm -hmm. you. They'll put a spotlight on you. And they'll make other people idolize you as a god. So they can make other people dress that way too because they're copying the way you look. It, the secret is mm. just it's like a clown and you will be made famous. And that is generally the trend I've started to notice. Oh, that's crazy. I yeah. I show my channel as well. The biggest example of this is um, uh, David Bowie, for mm -hmm. example. 
Mm. He had Iggy Stardust, didn't he? And he was literally a white-skinned, red-haired alien from another dimension or space or something. And he's when he Somewhere. died, he was idolized as a god. He was elevated mm-hmm. to godlike status because he is doing something all other cultures around the world still practice today in ancient traditions and tribes in remote places. He is channeling the demon. And this yep. is where mm-hmm. this whole selling your soul for rock and roll comes from as well. But you hear yeah. stories right. getting talents from doing these mm-hmm. things, you know? That's probably what it's for. Yeah. But it's all, I think it's also a part of the agenda. Like, if you're a part of the industries, they're going to want you to dress that way. They're going to push you to start having these styles and aesthetics because they mm-hmm. want other people to emulate, emulate you. You are the idol. Mm-hmm. They want more people dressing this way because it opens up more channels. That's the point. So if the idol dresses like yeah. that, they will dress like that. You know, and that's kind of the pattern you'll see emerging. Now I pointed it out. Anyway. Yeah, they don't. They don't realize that the person that they're idolizing on stage isn't actually that person. They're actually being indwelled by this by this uh, nephilim demon that is that is getting the energy from the crowd. Because it's not, yes. you know, it's not these people. It's not Iggy Stardust that's getting the energy from the crowd. It's it's the demon inside of him that he is indwelling, or the many, for that matter, the legion of them that are getting all of this energy from everything that he's doing on stage. And I think that's a huge point that people miss is they are pulling energy, all of our energy, all the time. We learn this, you know, in what's that one movie, Monsters Inc. Monsters yeah. Inc., where they were scaring the children and harnessing all of their energy in those capsules, and then they would take it and they would use that all that energy was these scary monsters coming through this doorway this portal to scare them and then collect their energy and and like you said they found out later that you could just make them laugh and you get good energy too but (laughs) and and faster yeah more (laughs) energy but that's not the kind of energy that they want they want the negative energy so that's what they do and so when you go to these concerts and everything like that all of that energy based on the songs that you're singing the lyrics that you're these worship lyrics, these things that we don't even realize that we're singing, we're pushing all of this energy towards these demonic symbols, these demonic uh, entities, which is crazy to think about, but it's, that's what's happening. Yeah, you cut out there for the last five seconds, but I, I think I got the gist of what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Monsters Inc. Is, is really on point, actually. It, it's telling you the agenda right, right there in you know, and they became jokesters in the in the later series, the after series, um, which I've watched. Yeah, mm-hmm. Disney, you know, and then they, they make their business from yeah. telling jokes. And there's something about pranks and jokes which is quite sinister on the on, on a lower level. You know, it's laughing mm-hmm. at other people's misfortunes and the, at their expense. There's something mm-hmm. the, the Joker's jokes are cruel. Do you know what I mean? And and there's something about human nature of, of laughing at dark darkness and jokes. So I think laughter itself is a response, a nervous reaction response when we don't know how to respond to awkward situations as well. So laughter is not mm-hmm. just always good. It's not always about being happy. It's not always. It's something else. Right. You know? and I think there can be joyous laughter. Don't get me wrong. That's probably the only form of sure, laughter from God, sure. which is real, you know. But a lot of m- most of the forms of yes. laughter. Someone pointed this out to me. Is actually more like there's more sinister undertones to it. Usually, it's, it's a it's a reaction. Mm-hmm. To or it's masking something else, insecurity exactly. or anxiety yeah. or whatever. Exactly, and and energy is energy to these, yeah. these creatures and these monsters. Yep. Um, I mean, louche is kind of like a very new age term. I can't remember the author who came up with it. 
Um, but there's something there seems to be precedent and repeated evidence to say that demons feed off of energy somehow human energy mm-hmm. that we're draining from mm-hmm. people, you know um so i'm not willing to just discount mm-hmm. that even though i can't find any biblical reference to it there seems to be plenty of um, sure. testimony to say that people who encounter these entities have some kind of drain going on in some way like they, they make mm-hmm. them right. scared and then they just drain them of everything and then they collapse and have no energy so it seems like that, that a lot of that mm-hmm. is going on and the clown like i said is the perfect tool to elicit such a reaction out of people because they know it's instinctual mm-hmm. and it's producing image the studies have been done you know and I, I, obviously I'm, I'm compiling these for my book but kids don't like clowns they do not like them like right. it, it, the ones that do <laughs> yeah. say well i loved clowns when i was a kid it's like yeah you're like one in literally a hundred thousand you are the outlier yeah, you those are, are the kids to watch out for <laughs> you, are, yeah, you, are the, you are not the norm you know the norm is kids are petrified <laughs> yeah. of clowns. um and yeah it's just you see all these old pictures from like the 1800s the early 1900s of clowns and mm-hmm. honestly those clowns were awful they were something else they were like m- m- nightmare fuel like and you see like yeah mm-hmm. holding a child and the child is screaming and the face is contorted yeah. with fear you know and they're like pushing away from this clown who's like holding it and laughing at it you know and smiling and this this kid is just like get this monster away from me i'm gonna die i'm gonna die you can see you can mm-hmm. see tangible fear in the children's eyes and the parents are in the background laughing yeah like, oh how cute yeah and it's kind of like what was wrong with these people <laughs> like what kind of cycle yeah. yeah no kidding what kind of trauma had this generation gone <laughs> through where they thought that was okay <laughs> for children what that was happened, funny. You know, it, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it always makes me laugh. It always makes well, there's me laugh. a lot of people that do that where they take their kids to see, you know, Santa or they take their kids to see the oh. Easter bunny or whatever. And they're like, go sit on their lap. And the kid's terrified. But the mm-hmm. parents are trying to get them to still sit on their lap because we got this social norm that says this is what you have to do. And the kid's just like, no. I don't want to have anything to do with this psycho, but we just kind of push them and we just want our pictures. You know, it's like, no, we're terrorizing these children. We need to just calm down. We don't have to have pictures with the Easter bunny. If your kid's going to be freaking out and having a mental breakdown. Yeah. Me and my my wife, my son's only two and we've already said to him, yeah, Santa's not real. Don't, don't believe that. Don't go. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) We don't, we don't do the Santa thing either anymore. It's funny, we were in a shop yeah, the other just day. Yeah, break it to him young. Yeah, he was in the shop the other day, and he was walking around just saying, Santa's not real, Santa's not real on repeat. And I don't know why he was saying that then of all places, but he got some funny looks from some of the other parents, you know, around the place. Like, oh, um, boy. I love that. <laughs> it was funny That's to me. Awesome. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, go. go. So w- so we, we broke down the whole clown thing, but is there any, in any research that you've done where mimes fit into this you know because they're a clownish but they don't have a voice and it, it's they're super creepy to me maybe that's why i'm wondering yeah if there's any mime kind of anything in your research the roman period the roman times of uh, street performers and theaters and um, mimes were often mm-hmm. more often mimics than than what we have today with a silent performance they would mimic people you know like jim carrey for example can just mimic somebody perfectly mm-hmm. and contort his face to be like mm-hmm. that's what kind of the old mimes used to be and they can kind of channel other characters. It developed a lot through the modern circuses through the 19 and 1800s, become like performance acts, um, something unique and new. And mm-hmm. it, was like a, it was like a development on the French style of Poirot the clown, the sad sack clown, 
the sad mime became this silent character mm. who would, mm. through his bodily and facial features, he would then be able to enact the emotion and the expression of what he was thinking and feeling. And it did, it did evolve mm. into this mime stuck in a glass box situation, you know what I mean? And there's something to mm-hmm. be said for a fractal yes. black and white pattern, white-faced clown monster trapped in a dimension where he can't communicate with us. You know, there's something highly symbolic mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. type. That's you true. Know? So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. It, you'll never find evidence for this in the historical documents, but based on my body of evidence and work, it's likely it was a performance created by brothers of the fraternity to, again, mimic mm-hmm. the truth of what's the situation is, you know, the, uh, they are communicating mm-hmm. with who are behind the veil, who are trapped in a dimension they don't want to be in. And their mind mm-hmm. pretends to be trapped in a glass box. and mm-hmm. can't. So there's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting connection. And I think there is definitely yeah. something there. I think it might it's interesting again. to think that there, this, sorry, are we good? You're good. You're back. You're back. There you go. Yeah. Okay. It's it's interesting when you start thinking about like court jesters, you know, because as Americans, we don't we don't really have, you know, kings and queens. We don't have all that stuff. So the idea of court jesters is kind of lost on us unless we have watched movies or done our research or whatever. But those things are kind of lost on us. We don't understand, you know, kings and queens or court jesters and stuff like that. But there was this this jester that was always in the courts making fun of people and dancing and in and, and making every a mockery of all of the pomp and circumstance if you will mm-hmm. uh it, it almost is interesting to think that you know this character also exists in god's kingdom you know that there is this mocker this accuser of the brethren almost if you will this one that is going around spreading lies and making fun of people all the time it's a very interesting thing mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the devil, the devil is a clown by any standard stretch of the imagination. Not only the fact mm-hmm. that he's the ultimate fool as well, because he can't win. <laughs> he's, he's he's taken up yes. a battle, yes. he's destined to lose as well. So there's all sorts of symbols. The, the, the court jester himself is an interesting one because it was kind of a result of um, the collapse of Rome. A lot of these performers and these jester type mm-hmm. characters, you know, that come out of the Venice carnivals and things like this, these street performers needed needed work, but they weren't allowed to perform anymore because it was considered of the devil mm. to pretend to be someone you weren't and, and it was frowned upon to be an actor. It was considered a very bad thing to be, mm. you know, uh, a low, a very, of a very low class and cast to be an actor. Mm. Um, but, but even though everyone else was banned, the kings and rulers and the aristocracies, they considered it like a commodity to have a jester, have their own personal fool mm. that they could pay for because they were rich and above the law type of attitude. And it became like a competition, mm. like who could have the funniest court jester between all the, the, the monarchies and the, all throughout Europe, you know. So it became popular and fashionable to yeah. have a court jester coming out of the medieval period. And then by the end of the medieval periods, it was pretty much the norm. And uh, it became a very yeah. weird industry, actually. And, and so that's, that's how jesters ended up becoming a thing. There's a lot to be said, you know, for the, for the idea of something like a demonic style cheeky rascal character being able to mock the king there's something about that isn't there it's kind of mm-hmm. what gives them authority to do such a thing and in many ways people describe jester mm-hmm. as being an advisor in a way they would advise the king on the best course mm-hmm. of action mm-hmm. there's plenty of stories where like the king hated the advice and cast the jester away and then there's funny stories of how the jester managed to get back into the courts one jester faked his own death 
and then the king went to the funeral mm. and was basically like, you were the greatest thing I've ever had. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I cast you out of the country. If you were still alive today, I'd let you come back in. No, and, and, he, and then he, the, jester, wow. the jester sprung up and said, thanks for the pardon, and then came back, you know, because he, he said he would pardon. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's kind of, so the, the, That's they are good. funny, you know, That's but there's something about the, the, the goal to do that to a king, you know, the, you have to be challenged. Oh, yeah. right something to have the confidence to do those things and the, the and behind the scenes mm-hmm. being that jester trope is really common but uh, that that jesters are kind of a whole sideline to my theory to be honest because that's kind of where they end they kind of dissipated mm. and stopped being a thing the later into the 1780s mm-hmm. it got it was all about the comedial art movements and the theaters are coming out of italy that spread through europe that kind of stayed alive mm-hmm. through the medieval period by just traveling and putting on quick improvised shows with makeshift stages, you know, and that's where you mm-hmm. get Harle- Harlequin is kind of a mashup between um, Mediterranean gods like Dionysus and, and um, Mercury, who's fleet of foot, fast witted mm. with a staff, the, mm. caduce- the caduceus of Mercury mm-hmm. or the thyrsus of um, Dionysus. And that Mediterranean mythology was mixed also with um, northern Teutonic mythological mythological wild men beasts, um, hairy tall beasts mm. with clubs. Um, kind of mash them together, and you get what's mm. known as Arlecchino, as it's pronounced in Italian. Someone's corrected me on this. I've been saying Arlecchino, but in Italian it's pronounced Arlecchino, <laughs> and that's where you get Harlequin. Mm. Um, and so this, oh. and it was okay. also it was also named after a specific French version of the wild man which a monk claimed in the mm. 10th century to have witnessed <laughs> in these writings but he was called helikins and mm. he basically had um this this gang of demons that would follow him from village to village causing mayhem and he had his big club on his back so you know harlequin has his slapstick which is his club and he was originally dressed in like loose mm. rags with tufts of hair sticking out everywhere multicolored patches just randomly sewn on and he wore a black mask covered in hair with a lump on the forehead so he was a beast. He was a wild man mm. creature. He was a Nephilim. Basically. Yeah. He was a yeah. it was a, a memory from the ancient past of tall, giant, hairy beast men. Okay, with multicolored patches. Fun yeah. enough. Also, also um, Mediterranean gods kind of mixed together. So then Harlequin became the mm. devil character mm-hmm. in these shows of the day. And clown was always around, but he was called Pedrolino, and he wasn't a clown as we know it then. He was just a, a servant of a rich man. And he was basically the butt of the mm-hmm. joke. He, they would beat him and do silly things to him, and the crowd would laugh at his pathetic nature. Um, that developed into Poirot the Clown in French theatre by about the 1800s. And Poirot was kind of, he, he was the first clown not to wear a mask. He just did white face makeup, mm-hmm. and his expressions gave a new life to the character. Because it used to be just wore a mask and it was a stock mask, you know what I mean? And it never changed. But this new French Poirot had emotion. He was a sad sack. He was always pining after Columbine, the daughter of the rich man. And he was the servant of the Mm -hmm. rich man. But Columbine wanted Harlequin, didn't want him. So he was sad about it, you know. And the French really clicked with that idea and they loved him for some reason. They thought he was an amazing character and actor, but very boring, very low energy not really like a clown like a circus mm. clown we have today but then right. the british, british clown took it a different route and became the wild bombastic drunk silly fool cheeky rascal stealing things you know and drinking all the time and he still dressed like a boring servant 
a poor servant in rags, mm. nothing to mm-hmm. color, plain white. But then one day, the son of a Freemason called Charles Dibdin took over the um, the theater where this this uh, show was happening, and he dressed the clown in this brand new psychedelic outfit, which looks just like the demons of India. Mm. Funnily enough, probably highly likely inspired mm. by, by Indian Hindu mythology, because his father, the Freemason I yes. mentioned. His brother, first of all, was a soldier who was with the East India Company, colonizing India at the time. He even mm. died there. And his father also traveled back and forth to India plenty of times and even was going to live there. So he was well acquainted with Hindu mythology and demonology. And he also he was a member, member wow. of the craft. He was a Freemason, a member of the Leicestershire Lodge. So it's highly likely he mm. was well aware of the demons of India too. And it seems like his son... Highly uh, likely dressed the clown like a demonic Hindu demon. <laughs> and um, from then on, that wow. image has developed into the modern clown we have today, and it, they rolled with it. All the Freemason-run circuses after that in America adopted the clown mm. into their performances with that new white-faced, psychedelic, demonic-looking visage. You find all the old posters of these clown shows, these circus shows in America. The clown's always drawn as a giant above the tent, looking down on all the tiny people. It's really on the nose, you know what mm. I mean? It's like, they're telling you, yeah, this represents right. the giants of old, you know. Um, and those Dang. old first clowns, they are terrifying. They are the most terrifying renditions. And it's yeah. kind of got sillier as it's gone into the modern 20, 21st century. Um, but the initial ones are yeah. through and through demons full-on demons you know and mm-hmm. like i said in the 1800s yeah. when this when this costume change happened clown replaced harlequin as the lead role harlequin wasn't the demon he used to be he was boring by this point mm. he, didn't, he didn't have that energy mm. he used to have where he was like a demonic um poking fun at everybody type jester character the clown became that the, sure. the british clown specifically with this mm. new costume became the demon character and replaced harlequin mm. And also, not only did he start acting like a demon, he dressed like one. And from then on, we have what we have today. And it's just evolved. It's just only evolved from there. So the history of a clown through and through, even its, even its roots are based in a representation of the wild man of Europe, which is a Nephilim, a Bigfoot, if mm. you want to call it. Anything. So, yes. mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fascinating, man. Wow. And your research is, is is so compelling. And for people to dismiss it or to not want to take the time to look into it or research it, it's upsetting because I, you know, there are so many things out there that we should understand. And this is one of them. This is something that we should have a full knowledge of. In my opinion, being a Christian and wanting to actually know the truth and digging into what is really truth, um, we have to ask these questions. Where did they come from? Why are they depicting? Why did they make them look like this? Why? And it, and I think the reality is that they are demonic oh, and just cut people don't want to admit that. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Am I back now? There we go. You're back. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Okay. I was just saying there, you know, you have these demonic entities that we're just, we're just dismissing as funny people, you know, we're just blah, blah, blah. It's no big deal. But as, as Christians, I believe we really need to stand up for this and say, no, we need to do our research. We need to figure out who these people are, why they're doing what they're doing, because they are, they are trying to take over the world. They are trying to kill all of our children. They are trying to steal our energy and, you know, but 
Walgreens is out there handing out these little noses for everybody to wear when you get your shots. You know, all you got to do is get a shot and you get a little red nose. And it's like it's so in the face. There's how do we not see this? How do we not research this? How do we not pay attention? I didn't know about the Walgreens thing. That's terrifying. I mean, there's already Red Nose Day. Oh, yeah. It's a, a specifically Western oh, yeah. thing, by the way, you know, and we have it in the UK. I didn't realize that my, my naivety. I didn't know it was also in Australia, sorry, in anywhere where we speak English, basically, in Canada, you know, in, in, in America. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know you had Red Nose Day. Um, but that's basically on a, such a vast scale. They've got all the Western world ignorantly dressing like clowns, like a ritual every single year. You know, it's not yes. a joke. Like, this is dressing like a thing channels the thing that's well understood south of the mm -hmm. equator. It seems, right? Gen generally speaking, yeah. you know, it's just us who have this mm -hmm. other. Either we're ignorant to it, we just don't understand that dressing like something has any importance whatsoever, or we seem to have those mm -hmm. ancient cultures in Europe who do still do this. They think they're dressing like something to scare it away or to trick it in some way mm -hmm. nonsense you cannot scare away yeah. a demon by dressing like one i'm sorry a demon right. a demon knows the difference no. between one of its own and some human dressed in some funny little clothing and rags okay they, they know the difference <laughs> give them yeah. some credit they've been on the other side of the veil for thousands of years yeah. learn to think or two you know <laughs> yes <laughs> but yes. this is different to it in the world <laughs> every year for halloween you know, we dress like things and the clown is always a mm -hmm. common thing that's not the most common thing but it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the major things there's always a new clown film that comes out every year to inspire the next halloween goers to copy that idol clown from that recent thing whether it's it the joker the terrifier yep. um what's that recent one uh, the twisted metal film has just been remade you've got that clown mask wearing oh, yeah. maniac you know, there's always something coming out to make sure yep. people are dressing like clowns during halloween you know they are they push it they yeah push one it thing out. Yeah, oh, one yeah. thing that I thought of was the insane clown posse that that band. Um, they had oh, this insane yeah. clown posse, and they had a really big following. I don't know if they still mm -hmm. do, but they had the the gigolos and the j juggalos or something like that. Anyway, they would wear certain clothes. They would all hang out. They would paint their face. They they were the insane clown posse. Then and this posse wasn't just the band. It was like this group of followers that were following mm -hmm. this band. And uh, that came to my mind when we started doing research on clowns and start thinking about your theory, because I am fully seeing it now. Like once you step back, you fully see this integration of clowns and, and it not really being very nice most of the time. No, but the insane clown posse, I, I actually got a few emails from members recently who were like questioning their mm -hmm. entire life. Oh. Work. Um, and they're saying, you know, what, what, what <laughs> I see, they're saying to me, like, what I'm saying, actually, you know, makes a lot of sense considering the things they've experienced and it's like apparently um mm. violent j one of the members of and you know the insane clown posse have this they've invented this whole mythology about the um the dark carnival or something i can't remember what it's called i'm probably butchering it i don't know enough about them to to fully be an authority on yeah this i don't either you know? but mm -hmm. they have this whole mythology that involves demons in this dark carnival setting and you know i believe he mm. in his own biography has admitted that he got the idea to dress like clowns straight from demons who communicated with him. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's all there. And <laughs> these people, like I said, are idolized and copied. Yeah. And what they've created is like a sense of religious yeah. community, you know, under this visage of the following yeah. the band. 
band's career. But what they've also inserted is you have to dress like a clown to be a member. And it's no joke to do that. It's actually far more sinister than it seems on the surface. They think it's just a bit of fun. They think it's mm-hmm. uh, and silly, you know, but it's, it's, it's not like it's, it really isn't like it's yeah. actually incredibly dangerous. Um, and I, I know, I feel silly saying yeah. it. I know what it sounds like. I really do. You know, I know what this sounds like. I, but it's serious. Look at my work and you'll see this is not a joke. It's, mm-hmm. it's been practiced for thousands yeah. of years everywhere else. Just because we're ignorant of the rule and the law doesn't mean we're immune yep. and not, not subject to the law and the rules. You dress like something to channel yes. something, whether you know it or not. Heath Ledger, yeah. for example, dressed like the Joker, ended up dying. You know, that's, that's the result. He went insane. Yep. And he died, you know, and that's that's what happens when yep. you channel things, yep. even in, even in ignorance, it will it will ruin your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's tends to be. And, and and I'm not trying to cast aspersions at the juggalos. I don't know you personally well enough mm-hmm. to make those type of judgments. Sure. I can only tell you from my research the dangers of dressing like a clown. It's 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 no laughing matter. Yeah. Right. Like a joke there, like, but yeah, it's, yeah, and that's all we try to do on our podcast is to just bring people t- to the knowledge. You know, these you just kicked over probably seven hundred rabbit holes for people um, to go down. <laughs> you know, there's just like a whole nest of rabbit holes now for everybody to go down, and and that's what we want. We want people mm-hmm. to do their own research to look. Don't take our word for it. I mean, we we're pretty confident that what we're saying and and and, and what Paul's bringing to us is truth just based on the amount of time and energy and effort that he has put into it and that we personally have put into it to corroborate the things that he's saying. So to be dismissive and to just be like, nah, that's, that's not, it's not reality is ignorance at its, at its basic level because you haven't actually looked into it and you're dismissing it based on something that is a feeling that you have inside. But what we're saying is, please push that feeling aside and and follow these trails and you'll find the same thing that Paul's finding and that we're finding is that there are there are demons guys there's demons out there and they're a lot more involved in this world that you see around you than you think and so follow these rabbit trails follow Paul on his conspiracy or I'm sorry understanding conspiracy on YouTube uh, check him out because all of these videos that he's made that he talked about in the beginning are, are laying out all of these truths. They're very shareable. It's a very easy place for you to pass on this information. You can pass on um, this podcast as well to just get people talking about this subject. Paul, do we still have you over there? Yeah. No, no, I'm happy to come back whenever, guys. Like I said, I'm, I'm working on the book, so that should be hopefully published by the back end of next year. I'm halfway through writing it, but then nice. the, whole, nice. the whole process and the editing process is a process in its own right. So I'm hoping the book will be finished oh, yeah. by a quarter way through next year, but the process okay. of getting it out to people might take the end of the year, maybe into 20. Yeah. 20, yeah. Early, it maybe. takes longer than you think. Yeah. yeah but uh, when that comes out, we'll do the whole process again. Yeah. We'll start again. But uh, I love it. What I will, what I will I say it. as a closing thing is, you know, I've made all my connections and I've laid out the basics of the theory. And I, I go deep into a lot of things, especially the cultures on my channel. But since doing the podcast circuit, mm-hmm. I've had plenty of creative people, um, even the podcasts themselves, make their own posts where they found their own stuff that I, even I haven't seen. 
And these connections, once you Mm -hmm. know the basics of the theory, you will start to see it out there in the world yourself, in your own context, in in your own media that you're into, Mm -hmm. subcultures you're into that even Mm -hmm. I won't know about. You'll start to see the prevalence and the insertion of psychedelic patterns, colors, pale white skin, red lipstick, wild red hair. You see that anywhere in any iteration or form. Something, something dodgy is happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do something there. They're yeah. A particular spirit. And honestly, there's some amazing, mainly the pop, the pop culture stuff. I see. I, I'm not really, I don't listen to mainstream music. I don't watch films. I don't have time. You know? So I value yeah. when people <laughs> yeah. tell me about all these things, you know, when people show me there's a clown yeah. in this, there's a clown in that, this matches your theory perfectly. They basically just mm-hmm. said that in this film, show me, share it, share it with each other. And you know, I know what the yeah. theory is like at face value. The Nephilim look like clowns. Sure. What are you talking about? You're an idiot. I get it. That's the initial reaction. Mm-hmm. This this is not a joke. I'm not making this stuff up, and it's actually a, a lot yeah. more serious than it seems on the surface. It's a lot more grounded as well than the theory sounds yep. at, at initial, um, you know, at the initial sound of things. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I think I've said everything I can say today, guys. I don't know if you have any questions you want to ask me before we wrap this up, but uh, yeah. No, I think we'll wrap it for now. We definitely want to promote your book when it comes out. Yeah. So let us know. Be in touch with that. We'll we'll definitely put it out to our audience. We want people to get this book in their hand because uh, it's not only is it a great read, I'm sure, but it's also a great tool to uh, to teach others about what's going mm-hmm. on in the world around them. So with that, Paul, Paul Stobbs, we're so thankful that you had the time to come on and yes. talk to us about this wild and crazy theory that we're with you on by the way understanding conspiracy is the youtube channel and we want you guys to uh don't forget to go and like and share everything he's got going on over there because this is going to change some people's lives i really believe it it's going to change the way that people see the world and that's what we're all about here on that so fringy podcast so with it we are going to take off for now but we will be back soon with more crazy episodes so take care all of you out there we'll see you on the next one bye